it was like one of those. Hey, I'm Dr. Kate Wong. And I'm Tierra Mitchell. Like, yeah. And, and she's like, I remember it was one of the Holistic like, Hope podcast. Scroll. We invite you to you join know, us across and, and our members of in conversation rooted in back. wellness and health. And so the so ladies all, I understand that, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure love. out where you got this survey from so we can see how factual the data is. Yeah. And so um, the original poster is like, I don't, I'm not the end all be all to this kind of stuff. I'm just telling you what I've seen. So the lady is like, I hear you. And I'm not saying that it's not concerning that there are people who do believe that we should be segregated because of a vaccination. She said, but what I'm saying is there are so many people who are just coming out and wanting to a quote, say how they feel they're not taking the time to really get the truth because all they really want to do is stand in their truth. And what's going to happen if we keep allowing fear-mongering tactics like this to separate us, we are going to be separated. Yeah. So you're like, so I'm trying to understand where you got this data from because I don't want people thinking this was an actual survey. I want them to understand this is a media tactic being used to create division among people who are vaccinated and not vaccinated. Yeah, and they're doing a good job for at least those couple of people. That and they're doing it. And that's what the lady said. The lady was like, if you look at, because then the original poster went into, well, whether or not it's true, I've experienced it. Like I said, somebody just blocked me. And the lady's like, I hear you. You know, I really liked how the lady was trying to get it. Like, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Yeah. You know, she's like, I hear you. But what I'm saying is, this is where the divide comes from. Believing in those things that we don't have any true evidence for simply because we're afraid. And that is where the real divide is gonna come. So what I'm trying to implore you to do is to take some time to see where your data is coming from so that you can decide if this is something, am I spreading fear tactics? Yeah. Or am I truly helping the situation? And so I have seen this like collective shift where it's almost as if so many people are tired of feeling like they're not heard or you know, no one cares about what they think or feel, that they're just gonna say how they think and feel no matter how true, how tr much truth it's rooted in because all they care about is their truth that it's rooted in. Yeah, and I it's not based I, on truth. Go, it's based on like like the feeling that you emotions. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And so for me, it's it's an interesting thing to observe because I'm super emotional, you know, like super duper emotional. And I used to hate growing up when I would get emotional and people would tell me, "Oh, you're just overreacting." Oh. Because to me, when I was going through those emotions, it was like it was real. I wasn't overreacting in my head. Like I was trying to restrain myself yeah. you know like I felt how I felt and so and you know like now as an adult I I do I can identify when I'm being over emotional even though it feels authentic to me it's like mm, Tierra, this is like a really emotional reaction to this you know and saying that to say I feel like that could be something that's happening with us as a collective where people are feeling real emotional and it's causing them to, you know, state their truths a lot louder, but in a way to where we're not really hearing one another because we're so concerned that our emotions aren't gonna be. It's weird because it's like a collective shift as a response to trauma. 
yeah. collective trauma response. Yeah, it's it hasn't stopped. I think if if what it feels like to me, at least um, what I've seen mainstream wise, how it all when it all started for mainstream at least is like when like Trump was president, and then this mm-hmm. whole roller coaster of like wait what, and then it's like um, where did all these good people come from, and then all of a sudden it's like roller coaster of riding of like race wars, all these different things, and then like. Um, you know, health, health crises, like what is right, who is right, who is wrong, mass thing, who is right, who is wrong, but in reality, if you truly boil down, if you listen to all, both sides, all sides in general, and you truly boil that down, there is some truth in parts and pieces of it, but in reality, they, majority of people don't care what really the truth is, majority of people is um, basically responding to how they feel, about this one situation mm-hmm. very superficially and then riding that wave is what I'm feeling and then the media loves the the whole part of whatever the agenda is they love to divide people into separate things into that fear tactic because this whole like 2020 is based on fear how do yeah. I create more fear to maybe sell more things to make a certain agenda happen to whatever it is Nothing's really, even though they say unity, even though they say unite, there are people that are trying to do that and bring that love and light and just light in general um, amongst everyone, just, you know. <laughs> but in reality, like, where do you see, like, this massiveness besides when people go on the streets to protest? That's um, in a very peaceful way, not all the other things that you see, like throwing things, destroying things, that's not peaceful, right? but more of the peaceful aspect like sitting there standing there like you know that part they're literally trying to unite yet they're having all these different devices thrown at them to see like what clicks to ride another wave that's what it feels like to me so just now she like mouthed at me something (laughs) you know because she's four her little mouth doesn't make her words you know like adult people do so she's mouthing at me and I'm like I I have no idea what (laughs) <laughs> I have no clue what you're trying to relay to me right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But but yeah, I, it's funny that you brought up the um, protests and stuff because that's what I was thinking the other day, just randomly coming up the stairs. I was like, it's interesting how we'll band together really fast to talk about what we hate and what makes us different and stuff and all these arguments we have. But like, why is it so hard for us to come together and share the stuff that we love about life? Yeah, because we're not brought up like that, right? Like literally mainstream does not bring up like happy stories all the time. It's conditioning us to always find something wrong, like find something like that's like interesting, which is usually bad, which is usually like fight. Like, like when do people like, you know, in school, when someone has a fight, how, how much kids like, like almost rush over there to see what's going on. Right. That's mm-hmm. like the fastest, like, like gathering of people ever. When you see someone having a fight or something's going on, like it's like a, almost like a bum rush. <laughs> yeah. Of all that. But that's, And I think that's what like was fascinating me about thinking about it because you know, I, what, what made me want to start with this topic today is because, you know, with me, I just like to observe. <laughs> I just really, truly enjoy to observe. And so 
what makes it hard for me though is that I can't fully get upset about the people who are reacting out of fear yeah you know because it's like I get it you're scared I, I get it and, and I, don't, I don't think I've shared this story on the podcast before and so I want to right now because I want people to really know like how much I understand fear and how it makes us react. I've only shared stories like emotional, like my husband leaving me and stuff like that. Um, but when we were, how old was I? It started when I was actually in middle school and it lasted until my senior year of high school was when like we first got our breath of relief, right? And we had a stalker like a legitimate come to our house, try to break in. We don't know what his intentions were, stalker. To this day, we don't know who the man was and how it would start. Like I said, I was in middle school and how it started was um, he, you may have to cut out the breaks of me pausing as I'm collecting the details of everything in my head, but it started by one one night, late at night, I was doing my hair and um, the way our bedroom, I shared a room with my sister and the way our bedroom was set up, there was a patio right like adjacent to our window. So if you stood on the patio and kind of leaned over the edge, you could look into our window. But to get onto the patio from the hallway of the apartment, like how the complex has like the community hallway you could hop onto our patio from the community hallway, like so from outside of our house, of our unit. Like my friends, when they wanted to borrow balls, they would hop onto our patio and take them, right? So um, it started that night, like it was like three o'clock in the morning. I was, it was the summer before going into eighth grade and my sister screams as she sees a man on the patio. And when we go out there, we don't see anything. And my sister had always had these like night terrors um, growing up. So we were thinking at first she was having bad dreams when she was saying she saw it. And that was the first time. And for a long time, we didn't see anything else. And then slowly it started like the day we knew there was someone who had indeed been coming because there had been a couple more instances my mom, it was one morning, my mom was getting ready for work. We were all getting ready for work. I was in the kitchen and my mom went over to the patio because she had to look at her pantyhose to see um, if they were black or blue, right? You know how the whole pantyhose thing goes. They look black and then you put them in the light, they may be blue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she, she was doing that test and went over to the window and I'm in the kitchen, like making me cereal or something like that. Cause we're getting ready to go for, to work at school. And um, you know how high kitchen tables come up, right? Like how tall they yeah. usually are dining room tables. Okay, so keep that in mind. All of a sudden I hear my mom go. Oh, I see you, I see you, I see you. I got so scared. I literally in one swoop jumped up onto the table. Like I'm two feet on the table. Really? What, mom? What? What? What's going on? What's going on? What's happening? What's happening? Like, I'm so scared, right? And my sister depressed herself up against the wall because she does not handle fear well. You know, she, my mom has the fight response. My sister has the, I have the flight response. 
and my sister has the freeze response. That's that's like how we function as a unit. <laughs> and it's it's just the three of us. Yeah, you know, my mom's a single mom. So it's just the three of us. Yeah. And so, you know, my mom's, I see you, I see you, motherfucker. Oh, sorry, podcast. You know, she ready to fight, right? And I'm, what, mom, who do you see? What's going on? And like, I'm scared. I, I can't get to my sister because I'm on the table screaming and shaking. And so she finally says, I saw him. He was looking into our house. He was trying to get in. And up until this point, it had just kind of been like a, a fictional thing, like a bad dream. Okay. You know, like we weren't completely sure there was a man indeed hopping onto our patio and looking at us. We're thinking it's like figments of me and my sister's imagination who we tend to have overactive imaginations, right? So at that point, it's solidified. There is a man who comes early in the morning, hops on our patio, and we don't know if he's trying to break in or if he's just a creepy peeping Tom, right? This goes on at that unit. We would call the police after that. You know, we would always call the police to make a report. This went on in that apartment unit for three years, two or three years, oh. right? Mm -hmm. And so finally we decided we have to move because it would happen. Girl, my mom would chase the man. It got to the point where my mom would be ready for him. And she would chase him and she would see him. She would chase, yes, yeah, she's a, like, <laughs> I could tell you stories about how she's like that, but you have to know my mom does not turn down from a fight. Like it's not in her nature, especially when it comes to her girls, like especially. Oh. So, and at this point, our lives are in jeopardy to her. We are, and at this point I had already been raped. Like she knew that I had been raped um, by someone at church. So she's super protective, right? She's like, no one's gonna hurt my kids again. So she chased the man and she freaking chased the man. My sister is so scared. I'm like, I gotta go chase after mommy because I gotta make sure I get her back because I don't know what this man's gonna do if mommy catches up to him. And when I say chase him, Kate, he jumped off the roof. My mama jumped off the roof. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> like she is running after this man. My mom was a track star and everything. So. You know, I'm like, I got to go chase after her to talk some sense in her and get her to come back home. I need you, little sister, to call the police. And she's, I can't, I can't, I can't move. I can't. Move. And she's hyperventilating just like that, right? And I'm frustrated because it's like, I see clearly my little sister is terrified. And I'm, she's in tears. I'm worried about my mom. I don't want to scream at my sister. I need you to focus so I can go make sure mommy's okay because I'm trying not to panic her even more, yeah. you know? So I'm like, baby, I really need you to call the police. Can you please just, here's the phone, call the police, just 911. Look, I called, can you talk to them? You know, like that's what's going on. And I'm mama, come back, come back. You know, this is once a week, Kate, we're oh going to Yeah. So we move um, and when we move for a minute, it, it's pretty quiet, you know, like, we're starting to um, get some peace of mind. And then he comes to the new space. And when he gets to the new space, this time he actually gets into the house. We weren't there, but he had, he had been coming to the new space. And this is where I really want to hone in on like what fear can do to you. When he started coming to the new space, now we are paranoid, you know? Because now we know he's following us from this one apartment across town 
and he came and found us here. Like we changed schools and everything. Yeah. And so now we're paranoid because we don't know who this guy is or how he's finding us. And it would got it got to the point to where I literally could hear from we lived in a two-story townhouse at this place. I could hear leaves rustling downstairs from my bedroom. And they sounded like footprints coming up the hallway because we were so tuned in to everything going around us. I could hear leaves rustling on the bedrock because I had to hear if he was going to open the gate or if he was trying to pick the lock yeah. and I had to be able to hear it in my sleep, yeah, you know? Gosh. So, so that's, that's how terrified we are. Right. And so then, um, he gets into the house and luckily we weren't there. And when he gets into the house, um, my mom chases in after him. Like how we see it, we walk up to, we, we had like a back entrance and it had a, a gate. So we walk through the gate and then our patio door is open. And so I'm like, he's in the house. Like, I think me and my mom said it at the same time. He's in the house. By now I'm a sophomore in high school. So, um, I, we say it and then she walks towards the apartment and I literally grab her by the shirt. I have never grabbed my mom like this. I grab her by the shirt and yank her back. I said, you cannot go in there. And she was like, Tiara, there's a man in our house. And I was like, you don't know if he has a gun. You don't know if he's waiting to ambush you. You don't know what's gonna happen when you walk in those doors and I need to know you're safe. So whatever you're gonna do, you're gonna do it from your phone right here in the parking lot. You are not going in that house to the police gate here. And she was like, you know what, you're right. And that was like the first time I think my mom was able to see how scared I was. Yeah. Cause you know, it's like every single time this man comes I have to worry if he's gonna kill you from you chasing him. So can you please just stay here with me? <laughs> like don't go in the house. So I think that kind of rattled her because then the next thing that happens is and when he got in that time he didn't do much like we could tell he was looking through our papers and that was about it like stacks of mail and things like that yeah and um so then the next like major incident to the saga we are outside again in the parking lot and we were going to go pick up my little sister from school so we're going to the car and my mom all of a sudden she runs over behind the car park next to us and she grabs that he would always come in a black hoodie every time he came he would wear a black hoodie and so she grabs someone with the black hoodie and snatches him from behind the car oh almost punches him in the face right oh my God. it's a little it's a little boy oh really and he says he says i'm sorry i'm sorry ma'am we were just playing hide and seek i'm sorry i won't hide behind your car anymore oh okay. and my mom goes i'm so sorry baby and then she looks at me my mom isn't a crier at all she starts to cry. She's like, if I would have had a gun, I would have killed that baby. Because oh. I thought he was him. And that's when I knew how bad it was for my mom, yep. you know? And so, and then the last thing, he gets in the house. We weren't there again. He gets in the house again. And Kate, he throws bleach all over the house. We were moving. So it was almost as if he was mad that he knew we were moving, like stuff was in boxes, like me and my sister stuff wasn't even in the house anymore. Uh-huh. And he throws bleach all over the house. And we had this big, beautiful, I also think this is why my heart is so 
um, big on making sure making sure families have beautiful portraits to hang because we had this big beautiful portrait of the three of us and I remember how my mom was like saying she couldn't afford it and all of this and um, she gets it and it was like I was so proud of that picture because you know I've always loved photography and he ripped our faces out of it oh my gosh yeah and like, so not only was like my favorite picture of us gone, ruined, there was no digitals at that time, but it was just our faces. Like everything else was there. He literally just ripped out our faces from the picture. So it was like, oh my God, did this man want to kill us? You know, like, what did we do to him? So for a long time, I didn't trust anybody. Like, because I didn't know who this guy was. And, you know, as a teenager, you do sketchy stuff that your parents don't know about, you know, like talking to boys and stuff like that. And anyway, I was so scared for our lives. I told my mom, every single guy, like even if I didn't even think, you know, it could possibly be him. I still told her because I didn't want to leave out any possibility of who was doing this to us. Yeah. You know, and I didn't want her to think that I was, hiding anybody from her because I wanted I wanted her to know I wanted us to be safe mm-hmm. and it was just like real stressful but I I didn't trust people to the point to where like I had some guy friends who kind of fit the bill of this guy you know we knew he was darker skinned and kind of skinny and tall and I would like go off on them at school <laughs> threaten them and I would say like I don't know if it's you, but if it's you, you know what I'm talking about. You come to my motherfucking house again, I'm gonna slit your throat, just like that. So I know how fear can have us do things that we're not really that proud of, you know? And so that's why it's like really hard for me when I can tell people we're going through things that they have real reasons to be afraid. It's so hard for me to judge them on how they're reacting yeah because I don't know how scared they really are and that's why it's like well why is it so hard for us I'm sorry I can't catch my emotions here because I think the hardest part about going through all of that was feeling helpless the police would tell us that they couldn't do anything because they had to wait until one of us ended up badly injured Mm. Um, that if my mom was to get a gun and shoot him she'd probably be the one to go to jail really because yeah because he would have to be in the house already she couldn't shoot him on the patio oh but you know my mom's not going to give him a chance to come in the house after all of that yeah you know so and it just really it was really hard because I felt like nobody wanted to help us yeah and for us to it was just the three of us and like you know my sister was only 10 when this started happening and to to see her like curled up in a ball when it was time to go to bed or afraid to walk out the door in the morning because she didn't know if he was going to jump out and grab us and then to feel like you had nobody in the world who would help. So that's why it's so frustrating for me when 
as a collective we're going through all this trauma and like it really is scary and there's so many people who don't understand just how helpful it could be to let those around you know i'm here for you whatever you're going through you know i'm here for you if you just need someone to stay up at night and talk to you because sometimes in that situation that was all we really needed you know was a friend to stay the night with us so that we could feel a little safer so that my mom could sleep at night you know yeah. and we would we wouldn't even get that so I really wanted to share that and like you can hear how emotional I am I don't like telling this story much because it's such a heavy one mm -hmm. but I I don't want people to think that when I'm talking about fear and trauma and hurt that I'm coming from this lighthearted place that I got into healing trauma and spirituality because of all that I've been through in my life you know and slowly I'm getting comfortable with opening up about it because I do feel we benefit from shared experiences yeah and today I just think it's really so important to express that you can seriously change somebody's world just by saying hey what about for lunch today Letting them know that they're that you're there for them versus yeah being so alone that you described it as yeah yeah and we you know we have tons of friends like we end up going and staying with a, a friend living with a friend and a she had two of her own kids and they only had a three bedroom apartment and we all lived in that three bedroom apartment together because we had nowhere else to live it was, she lived far away from where this was all happening. Mm -hmm so we all live together so it's not like we had no friends but because she lived far away that was really one of the only friends we were able to go to but like as like i said as far as somebody just like coming to the house and stuff like that we didn't get a lot of that yeah. it was more like people wanted to stay away because we were going through all of that yeah and that was the disheartening part because it's like when you go through something tough and people turn away because of what you're going through, that's really hard. Yeah, that's kind of like what you described it as from your um, your friend who we talked about like a couple of me a few episodes ago, or maybe we mentioned it in our conversation. Maybe, mm -hmm. yeah, when yeah. People turn away or people are not there when you need the help. Like this is, it's like this is where like when people don't know the story. And they only know the superficialness of everything that's when the judgment comes it's like oh yeah and then, then they then there's blame there's other things systematic all these different things yes that that's part of it but in reality like it's that minute all these different stories that seem like minute but it's so big in people's lives that yeah. really shapes how they function shapes how they express themselves like when you're saying that you lashed out at people who look similar like at your school that may not you know be even part of it that's part of the whole aspect of like if you big scheme of things that's what people are doing as well they're lashing out at people other people that look similar that are have that similar quality or characteristic as what they feared so it's a trigger for them yeah. and so when there's all these different like all these different like violence all these different things that come out like i like 
I can almost see in my in my head as you're seeing it what you're kind of thinking imagining obviously thinking and like seeing like man they're like so scared they're so fearful of their lives that they're doing this versus Mm -hmm. they're doing it just to do it that's what a lot of people think they're just doing it just do it they're doing it because they want some little you know gain from it or whatever it is the reason is yeah exactly and I do think that there are some people who have like little petty fears but that's not my judgment to make um but as far as like what we started the conversation about today, you know, like noticing this collective shift of that could possibly be a response to trauma. Cause I know that is one of the, um, when you have that response of, I can't trust people. So I'm just gonna say how I feel all the time. Cause I feel like I'm not heard. That's a trauma response. You don't, you don't trust that people are actually hearing that you're scared or you're hurt or you're going through. So you're gonna start screaming and shouting until you get the attention you're you're feeling like you need to feel better yeah you know and so I as you know in, in terms of the podcast and with this being holistic hope that's something for me lately I have been feeling for the collective is that we all just need to remember we're here together you know we're going through this together we're scared together <laughs> you know yeah and it's only going to be scarier if we keep allowing this stuff to divide us. If we keep forgetting our humanity and that how we come together is truly what makes us unique as a species. Yeah. Like the whole aspect of like cancel culture and all these different things on canceling a lot of people. Like, I think that's now that you're, you're mentioning this, when Mikosi, one of our guests, um, the shamans that was on here, she mentioned about like not, or I think one of the things she talked about, how even though you have different views, doesn't mean you just, just you know, cancel them, exit them, whatever it is. I definitely have, you know, my own faults in general as a person that sometimes do that. And sometimes when you don't, when something's too much for you, when you just try to step away. So I guess people are trying to step away from what they don't understand, step away from the triggers, stepping away from certain things, depends on how you deal with fear. And so that is almost, that is like also a sign of like, you know, what you do when there's stress, right? Mm -hmm. So in overall, everyone's stressed out. Mm -hmm. That's what people are doing. They either you know, like you said, those, those three different things, they, they, they fight, they freeze, or they flight. All those three are showing up in every single aspect you can think of as of right now. And so when there's all these different things, different tactics, different like surveys that you mentioned before, early in this podcast that are trying to divide us, those people that are trying to understand and be aware of their fear, be aware of what's going on, that's starting point but when people aren't ready to talk about it that that's kind of like letting us know that they're not ready for that next step yet unless until they come to us or they are open for that conversation because that person really doesn't want to hear it yet so when you're in fear and your sister's like she's freezing she can't do it she can't even hold the phone like that that person's not ready to go on to the next step (laughs) And you can't force that person to be ready because then she'll she'll either freeze more, they'll flight, or whatever it is that you do in regards to trauma or stress. 
it's just going to make the situation more stressful you try to force somebody out of their fear before they're ready yeah because despite you know and that situation during that stressful like time when someone's like coming in the house or whatever it is like you don't think okay they're not in the house or they're they're like they don't have anything on them but you don't know all you mm-hmm. are is in your emotion so like i feel like as a collective as a mass people don't know what the real truth is and it doesn't matter what the real truth is it's a threat of that that matters to that reality it's a threat and that's all that like at, at this point that's really all we can we have to honor that with people they feel that their lives are in danger in some way shape or form and if we can't provide a way of comfort, it's just kind of like one of those things, like how you said, we all have our faults and it is totally possible to love people from a distance. And I think that's like the, the difference maker here when it, when it does come to the, you know, people saying that we should segregate over vaccines and stuff like that. Like, and that's why I said, going back to compassion, if you're uncomfortable, being around people who aren't vaccinated it doesn't mean we chastise those yeah but i mean but you know we're i just want to that's that's what the surveys that was going around said Uh you know but if if you feel like you don't want to be around people who aren't vaccinated you don't chastise the people who chose to get vaccinated you do what you got to do to make yourself comfortable yeah you don't have to make it about what they did or didn't do yeah, I was listening to um, one of the shows called The High Wire that I mentioning yesterday. One of the doctors mentioned that he is from the UK. He was the, um, the ex-vice president of Pfizer. And so he was just lit up in regards to this whole like 15, 18 months that's been going on of all mm-hmm. these different lies that were, because he's literally like the, the toxicologist in general. And so for someone to be lit up because, or just so mad about all these things running through the media. And for someone who knows that field well, because he was the like ex-VP of this company. And so he, when he mentioned that in, in uh, specifically, I think I remember him was just another doctor in the show, but specifically when you're sick, when people are most vulnerable to spread this infection whatever it is usually when they are the most um infectious they have a load of like things inside of their airways inside everything that's where they're most infectious but the thing is if they want to are most infectious is 18 percent of a likelihood that you'll spread to someone else 18 percent even if they're that sick. And usually those people, those like super spreaders, right? Those very infectious people, they usually don't mm-hmm. go out. They're like in bed or they're at home because they feel so awful because they're so sick. And so for people who are walking around, running around, those people are supposedly called asymptomatic, um, uh, I guess people or whatever you want to call it. Those people barely have anything in their airways or anything that can spread in that aspect and you can't and it's like a one percent chance to to spread anything if if even right and so Mm -hmm. that's why he was trying to say like there's no fear behind this this statistic of of uh of condition of this thing that Mm -hmm. it'll spread to someone else that's why you shouldn't be afraid about this 
So he was so lit up that people are just running through the media, running through the mainstream, saying all these different things to continue to propagate this fear amongst mm-hmm. everyone about certain things like this. And so it's mm-hmm. it's crazy, even though like there's statistics, if you were to, when you do have the time to like research or just hear other people, all these, all these spectrum of sites and uh, opinion, opinions of these different um, professionals, it, in reality, <laughs> I hate to say it, in reality, people don't care. <laughs> they don't care because they 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 are stuck. If they're in that fear, they're stuck in that fear. They're stuck in what they think is dirty, what they think is um, infectious, and they stay away from that. And no matter what you they, other people say with all these statistics, all these different things, if you're stuck in that truth, what you think is fearful, you're staying there until you're ready to kind of learn more or open up or be aware. So even though I love evidence, all these different research and all these statistics, it doesn't matter <laughs> in the whole scheme of things. It's really what drives you. What drives you? <laughs> it's like mind boggling at the same time. So like for others who are trying to, you know, um, force other people to come out of their shell, force other people to open up, to understand all these different sides. Just kind of be you, understand why you are in your truth, why you understand what you're understand, why you're not fearful, and just be that example. Like that's the only thing that we can do um, out of all of this and be the light, be the one that other people are curious about that's why I feel is the best out of all of this like not play into what's continue triggering you what's continue of um making you fearful yes still still understand that when you're ready to um is it um is it you that mentioned that you uh I can't remember remember all the people I talked to that you kind of play with the (laughs) idea of like different feelings or is it Naza that mentions it I can't remember who said it maybe Naza like go go deeper um so basically if you have certain like feelings about certain things you want to talk to that feeling and just like play with the idea like what's going on like how why do you feel this way I think it was you um why do you feel this way why are you fearful why are you angry why are you sad all these different things like um, yeah that does sound like something I do (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember I was like I feel like it's you but like that That does sound like something I do (laughs) um because I know like how you're saying when it comes, especially interacting with others, I can only control my emotions. Yeah. And so when I am, and like I said, at the start, people have been told since I was young, I'm emotional and clearly it's triggering for some people. So I don't, and I don't like triggering people, you know, it's not an intention of mine to go around triggering people with my emotions. So it's a tool I use to understand if it's worth expressing that emotion you know because if my rule is that if I feel like it could possibly bring understanding to the situation or clarity to the situation like benefit in some way I will definitely express it even if it's going to be uncomfortable but if I feel like it's just going to start a fight and we're just going to be debating back and forth about who feels what and who is right yeah. I'll just whose feelings are right myself. yeah <laughs> But if I do feel like it'll bring, it brings us closer together to share this emotion, then 
And that's something going back to, I know it's been on something on the podcast, our separation, that was something that really healed a lot of hurts in our marriage was knowing when to express a feeling and when to, and that's what I've come to tell my husband sometimes if he'll be like, I can tell something's wrong. I'm like, yeah, I am irritated, but I, I don't think it's something that will benefit us. And I, I think I just need to like work, sit with these emotions for a little bit and we can circle back later. Yeah. And he knows, like he now knows, oh, she's trying to prevent a fight. So, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like okay. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember when um, my sister and I are like pretty opposite yet I feel like the same at certain parts of the time and so sometimes like I know when you're younger but your sister if you both have sisters or brothers um that are really close in age um sometimes I feel like we have these like yelling wars for no reason <laughs> so it's like and then the end I'm thinking like as I got older I was like why am I screaming and crying is this mm-hmm. that intense <laughs> does that have to be like this insane of a conversation <laughs> that we, were, we, we started to have to end up as screaming and yelling at each other about who is and in right. tears and right like, and like that just that exhaustion that follows an argument like you that. literally f- feel you breathing in exhaustion because you're trying <laughs> to be like no I'm right no you're right you're the hyperventilating <laughs> from crying because <laughs> you both feel so like intense you want to express mm-hmm. something and then you're yelling at each other because no one's hearing anyone <laughs> so yeah. it's like who yells louder again to like overcome who is saying certain things so it's like nothing of a listening aspect to it but that's what it feels like the mass wise so but what the thing is when it takes that one person it was myself actually it takes it took me to be like you know in my head I was like what am I doing <laughs> like why am I like you mentioned right why am I being so emotional why like am I is this even like is this even appropriate for the conversation for that topic that we're having and then it takes it took me to just stop and think about it and then I just stopped yelling <laughs> right and that's that's all I wanted to point out as far as the collective shift I've noticed you know like if if we do each take the time I have a friend um I've been trying to get her on the podcast for a while she's in the UK so it's a little hard to get our schedules down but um she's like a beast when it comes to healing trauma wounds like she knows all the ins and outs of it and I just really admire how she talks about shadow work and but why I brought her up was because for this conversation when, when you know how we started the podcast well, was it that we really want to say today and when that came to me I really just want people to recognize that like you don't have to be fearful you know you 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 get out of there's a what's her name she writes the book you are a super manifester I can't think I want to say her name is Gabrielle Bridenstine I may be saying that incorrectly but she has are you are a super attractor you're a super attractor I want to say let me look on audible and I'll confirm that as I tell the story but what she says over and over, and I think it's such a good thing to take away from how we talked about today, you know, our fear emotions, that's our, not just our fear emotions, but our emotions, period, are what drive us, you know, 
And so that's why it's important to understand what our emotions are rooted in, understand what outcomes we're hoping for by expressing this emotion, however we're gonna express it. Because if we, if we all continue to just kind of act without thinking, like react instead of responding, we may end up down a path we weren't really weren't trying to go down. That's usually what happens in arguments, right? Like you just said, because you're more so reacting to what your sister's saying to you instead of listening and responding, it just becomes this downward spiral of nobody listening and everybody just keeps getting more and more emotional instead of getting closer to an understanding. Yeah. And what she says in this book that I still haven't been able to pull up is you always have the ability to choose again. Yeah, super attracted by Gabrielle Bernstein. Bernstein. She says, you always have the ability to choose again. And I just love that. Like the first time I heard it, I, I almost cried because up until that point, I had felt like that once I had made a decision or once I had expressed an emotion, I was stuck with it. I had to live with it because I did it. And she's like, no, you can choose again. Maybe you were in a really emotional state. And so you decided that you were gonna walk up to your classmate and threaten his life if he ever stepped foot onto your apartment complex. I also had the chance to choose again and decide I'm gonna trust my classmates. No one here wants to hurt me. And I'm gonna choose again and tell him, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going through something really tough right now. And I shouldn't have lashed out at you like that. I'm, I'm really sorry. And why it made me want to cry when she said it was because of moments like that in my life that, you know, still kind of haunt me where I'm like, dang, Tara, what the hell were you thinking? You know? And so for her to give me permission, I've always had the permission, but for her to bring the permission to my attention that I can always choose again to get the outcome I really want. I think that's something we all will benefit from remembering. Yeah. That we even, always have the power to choose again. Even if it's uh if it's not a person to apologize to, even of the, the situation. Yeah, even just that. the way you're gonna approach the situation. Yeah. Yeah, with arguing with your sister. You can always choose again. You guys could have been done with the argument and you you did actually. You chose again in that moment. What am I doing? <laughs> I don't wanna fight with my sister. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. That's not what I was trying to do. And you don't have to apologize, but it's like, I, I want to reapproach that. You know, like, I, I do want to try this again. Um, shoot, my marriage. I chose that again. When he left and said he just didn't want to be married anymore, F him. He can go. I don't, I don't care. I don't need him. And then I realized it's not that I need I want marriage. I've always wanted us to be married. Like, he's been my crush since I was 14 years old. This is what I want. I love our family. So then I had to choose again and apologize to him for being mad at him as a matter of fact I told him I would never apologize for being mad I would apologize for how I acted in anger but I feel like I had every right to be angry you know but I chose the way I chose again in the way I chose to handle the situation and I chose to approach the situation in love instead of anger this time and so same thing with the everything that's going on right now with the state of our world, shoot. It's not even just our country, it's the world. We all have the ability to choose again, especially when it comes to the way we choose to treat our fellow 
humans. 